0: This episode of the unofficial Shopify podcast is brought to you by Zipify and their flagship app, Zipify Pages. Zipify Pages is an e-commerce sales funnel and landing page builder that seamlessly integrates into your Shopify store. Just start with one of a growing list of templates, customize, and go. These templates are created by my friend and eight-figure Shopify store owner, Ezra Firestone. Each template is built with proven conversion elements, but also features a simple drag-and-drop editor so you could truly make each of these pages your own. You could customize, tweak, test to create some awesome landing pages and sales funnels. Check out all the details and sign up for the brand new application at Zipify.com. That's Zipify, Z-I-P-I-F-Y, dot Support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from our friends at BoldApps. If you've ever tried to add a product to your Shopify store with more than 100 total combinations of variants, you know what happens. You can't! Fortunately, Bold has a solution. The number one options app on Shopify is Bold App's product options. let lets you create unlimited and sophisticated options and then save them to a library and assign them to one or 10,000 products with just one click. It even lets you bulk update those options just as easily. So, for example, you could add file uploads, text fields, text areas, date pickers, multi-selects, radio buttons, checkboxes, multi-checkboxes, and more. You can even set options to be required or not, add tooltips, basically everything that the customer needs to have a great user experience. It even has conditional logic, so you can show or hide options based off selections. If you want to try product options for free for two months, just go to ecommerce-bootcamp.com to get started today. Hello and welcome back to the Unofficial Shopify Podcast, recording from EtherCycle headquarters outside Chicago and enjoying some unseasonably warm weather here. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, and today on the Unofficial Shopify Podcast, we've got some actionable advice on how to make more money. My favorite topic, of course. Um, so, recently, the, you know, the hardest part about the show really is is getting great guests. You know, someone with with a cool story or actionable advice, and, you know, sometimes I... I go and I, I hunt these folks down for you, um, and others, they just fall into my lap. And I got lucky when, uh, uh, in January, I got an email from a nice gentleman named Peter Fries who said, hey, I launched a product on Shopify. It's a, an aromatherapy shower kit. It's cool. It's got a cool origin story. But more importantly, we <laughs> started messing around with landing pages and got a 600% lift in add to carts and a 500% lift in conversion rate overall. And I took notes on it. Can I share those notes with you? You know, Feel free to say no. And I said, this is the best pitch I've ever gotten. Yes, of course, I wanna hear about that. So I then asked him no follow-up questions. I'm gonna do it live right now uh, on the show with you. And let's see, let us find Mr. Mr. Freeze's bio. Peter Freeze is an entrepreneur based in LA. He's the founder of aromatherapy lifestyle brand, SEO, which you can find at seoshower.com, and of course, we'll link to that in the show notes. Peter began his career at amazon.com, hmm, very good, I'd like to hear about that, and received his MBA, congrats, uh, from UCLA Anderson, where he served as president of the Entrepreneur Association, and received the Larry Wolfen Entrepreneurial Spirit Award. In addition to his innovative aromatherapy product line, Freeze also launched PR Vault, so we'll ask about that, a SaaS product that automates and amplifies PR campaigns for startups. Well, that sounds cool. Peter, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Kurt. Thanks for having me here. You are a busy man. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's fun, but uh, keeping myself busy by doing a lot and uh, trying to kind of improve things all the time.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's all we can we can hope for. Um, <laughs> that's it. All right. So let's start. Let's start simple, and let's start at the beginning. Yeah. What the heck is SEO Shower?
1: Right. So SEO is is a very interesting product. What it does is it it uh, hooks onto your shower or to really any shower. Um, and then it works with a disposable pod that, that hooks onto this device that you clip on your shower and creates aromatherapy in the shower. Um, so the whole thing takes like less than 30 seconds. You just clip on, snap on a pod, and then it starts diffusing these organic essential oils into the shower water. So you can think of like uh, eucalyptus or peppermint, you know, steam in your shower or a lavender if you're feeling stressed or want to, you know, calm yourself before you go to sleep. So we have different scents for different moods at any kind of point in your day. Truthfully. Um, so, I,
0: uh, yeah. truthfully, I saw the word aromatherapy, and immediately I wrote this off automatically. And <laughs> then you said, hey, peppermint, and it occurred to me, man, it would be really nice in the morning to take a shower and also have, you know, pe- for, peppermint always wakes me up. I love that smell. Yep, yep, So yep, it would be like waking up yep. with that. Wow, that actually would be would be great. Uh, <laughs> so I, I stand corrected.
1: Um, yeah. And that's that's the one I use in the morning too. I use the eucalyptus and peppermint because it just really you know opens you, opens up the sinuses, you know, gets you energized. And those essential oils actually have, you know they're proven to to do that and to stimulate the brain and everything. So it's actually quite quite uh, effective um, and a great way to start the day.
0: And this is an entirely original product. You see it's got, It says the world's first aromatherapy diffuser for the shower. It's got a ton of great PR. I see, you know, the logos for people and Good Morning America and vote, like tons of great stuff on here, which I would love to know how you got that. We'll get into that. And the packaging is really cool too. I like the packaging. Um, Yeah. But it's a unique idea. Like it's one of those things where after the fact, you go, well, that sounds obvious, but it wasn't obvious beforehand. How'd you come up with it?
1: Well, I can't take the credit for that. Um, my, my mother actually came up with this idea, all good things start with mom, right? And um, she, she was she's a busy saleswoman, three kids, always on the go, and never had the time to unwind, go to the spa, relax. And she loves aromatherapy. And she was literally in the shower one day and she said, gosh, I'm just stressed. She was probably late for a meeting. And she said, I wish my shower was more like a spa. And then she started thinking, well, wouldn't it be great if you could have aromatherapy in the shower? And she got to thinking more, like, isn't it weird that you can't have that right now unless you have a fancy like $2,000 installation in your shower? So she tells my dad this idea. And my dad's a chemical engineer um, and loves to tinker. And he thought that was a great idea. So he went and turned my sister's bathroom into a lab and started tinkering around and, and eventually created this prototype that did exactly what my mom wanted. So he kind of scratched the itch um and it was you know at the time it was just like a hobby and it was just this idea that they were kind of like slowly building and then started showing it to friends and family and they loved it uh, of course they're biased so we eventually did like a focus group and the people random people that we just got off of craigslist gave them a product let them try it and and people really seemed to like it so we thought we were on to something at that point
0: uh, two things number one this is such like a consistent theme where people have a pain or problem in their life where they say man why does this not exist? I want this. And then they think, well, why not me? Why can't I make that? So I yep. love when I hear those stories, um, just because it seems like, you know, build the thing that you want for yourself um, to start. That seems to be like a really great starting point for many businesses, Opposed as opposed to saying, starting with, well, I just want to make some money, so let's figure out what sells. And I'm sure that works, um, but it just hasn't been the trend on the show anyway. And the yeah. other interesting part, you said, uh-huh. hey, we did a focus group, which I haven't heard anyone else say. Like, we've definitely learned that talking to customers is hugely important. And I don't care how you yeah. do it. But you're the first person to say focus group. And you said, we got people off Craigslist. So I tell me, more, how do I do a focus group? Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, so we just basically, um, you know, we wanted to have kind of random people trying the product because everybody that we had try it was, was a, a friend or someone, or family member. And and they would all be super nice and say, this is great. But we want to have random people. So we literally just like posted you know, on Craigslist looking for, you know, somebody that wants to try a new product. Um, we got a bunch of people to sign up. Craigslist is the, is the great giver of all good things in the world. And, um, you know, the, basically we just gave them the product, had them go try it. We weren't there when they tried it or anything. Brought them back maybe like a week later. Um, had, had them all sit down. I think it was like 10 uh, women because we, we figured women was going to be our target audience. We had 10, you know, women. They they tried it. They came back they, and they then we had a moderator kind of. To guide the discussion and ask them, you know, how you liked it. You know, what were what were some of the features you liked? What features you didn't like? But by and large, the the feedback was very positive. Um, and and I think the the, the way we knew that we, we were onto something was when people left, we started getting emails from the focus group participants asking how they could get refills for their <laughs> for the system. So you know, we felt like okay, like that's that's pretty good, you know, proof in the pudding in, in the sense that they were coming back asking for more.
0: That that's fantastic. How much did you pay? What did all this cost? If I wanted to start a focus group today, what should I budget?
1: I, I think, honestly, we, we, I think we, we, we may have paid like 20 bucks a person. I just, it's, it's a while back, but it's like 20 bucks a person. We, and then we had like, after the focus group, we had like wine and cheese. Like literally, so it was like maybe like 100, 100 bucks. We had a nice little wine and cheese event afterwards. Um, you know, and 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 gave gave away some free product, and that was it. And you get, I mean, it's pretty invaluable because you you get a sense of like how people are talking about your product. You know, and, and some of this stuff can then be can then go into the language that you use to describe your product on your site. Um, you know, because you get a sense of how people are qualitatively responding to it, and you also get a sense like pretty early on like. You know, is this something that people like and want? Like you, you can save yourself a lot of time. Like maybe it's not something that people want, and so you don't have to go and you know invest tons of money in building something that people don't actually want.
0: Right. It is. You know, it it would be a blessing if you spent a hundred bucks and found out no one wants this, as opposed right. to spending you know the tens of thousands to getting it into production and then discovering no one wants it. So yep. it really, it's always worthwhile to validate your product. But you know, ultimately, until you ask. And it's another another theme, you know. We've seen over and over with successful entrepreneurs. Until you talk to your customers, you don't know what you don't know. Um, right. So talking to them, and then to your point, finding out how they talk about the product, who they'd recommend it to, because they'll describe themselves and what they like about it. Then yep. those become you know your selling points, and that's a really great conversion optimization hack.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: All right. So once you've validated the idea, what do you do then? How do you get this thing made?
1: Yeah. So we, we basically, uh, took the product idea of, you know, concept the prototype and we found a industrial engineer to kind of do a, a you know, full on design of it. And then we found a factory in China that was willing to give it a shot. Um, and we started getting, you know, tooling done. Um, all that takes takes money. So was, at the same time this is all happening, I actually was able to raise some money in business school. I participated in a couple business plan competitions. I won that fellowship I mentioned before. I was able to raise some money, put that into building some tooling. Um, you know, unfortunately, with a physical product, you know, it, it does take some upfront, you know, capital. So we were able to be fortunate enough to get some capital and, and invest in the tooling, built some initial product, and then literally just, you know, built a website, um, started Selling um, the first website actually that we built was not on Shopify. Uh, we, we built on a on a website called uh, ZenCart. It's an old, you know, outdated platform. But <laughs> I was going to um,
0: say, I'm sorry to hear that.
1: Yeah, it was really bad. Um, but uh, but then you know, eventually we did launch on Shopify. It was much better. Um, we are able to do a, a lot more with it. But um, it's literally we, we just if we found an industrial designer to kind of give it a nice look and feel. Um, we found a factory in China that was recommended by the industrial designer itself. Um, and then we, and then we literally start, you know, invested in the tooling and started manufacturing product and selling product.
0: So it's, you it didn't run into too many hiccups. Sound like it worked well. You know, manufacturing stuff is, seems like a, uh, a, a trial by fire for a lot of people. We, like- we,
1: well, I would, I would, uh, I would, I would definitely add some caveats there. <laughs> uh, we, we certainly ran into, into issues on the manufacturing side, but, um, just in terms of getting some initial product out, we were able to do that, but we, we no longer work with the, for example, we no longer work with the factory that we worked with at the beginning. Um, and our supply chain was cumbersome and we made, we made a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, I think when you're, when you're, one thing I would advise people is like, you know, if you're find, looking for a factory, one thing to think about is, you know, how big is that factory relative to you? And, and you're, you know, you don't want to find a factory that's too large, that they're not going to care about your product and, and have a sense of urgency and trying to, uh, manufacture and, and help you succeed. So that's, that's one kind of critical piece. And the other is like, are they somewhat in your vertical? Like, you know, you know, you want someone that has some kind of an interest in what you're doing if, if possible.
0: All fantastic advice. Okay. So it's a, you got the product made with too much trouble, got it on Shopify, and then
1: you launched it to what? So <laughs> this is, this is our challenge, right? Cause so we had this really innovative, unique product, right? And we knew that we knew that if we got in front of the right people, like the focus group people, or we went to some trade shows, and the trade shows, you know, people liked it. But the challenge was how do how do we find those customers, right? Because um, there's nobody really searching for aromatherapy in the shower. It's like yeah, once I, and that's once one I, of
0: the, you're right. That's one of the risks when you create, you know, what's really a, very, a unique product is no one knows to look for it. So how yep. do you get it? How do you get people aware of it? How do you drive that awareness and build an audience? So yeah, tell me about so we,
1: that. Yeah, so we we made a lot of mistakes at the beginning. We tried things like you know search engine optimization, and we tried like AdWords, and those you know again those went back to like those were more demand capture type of um, tactics versus demand generation, and that was kind of the key learning is like we really had to generate the demand for this thing. So once we started kind of figuring that out, the first thing that I really started trying to to to, to figure out was um, how to get PR press. Right. Cause that was the first thing that seemed to me if, if I could get in People Magazine or if I could get into on HuffingtonPost.com or if I could get on, you know, the doctors, we could get a ton of exposure. We could get traffic to the site and we could take sales. And so I literally, you know, I actually went to New York, um, and met with like six or seven PR agencies, showed them the product. Everybody, you know, they all loved it. They did their dog and pony. Here's what we're going to do for you. And then I got the proposals and they were like, we need like five to $10,000 a month to like, you know, get, do PR for you. And I kind of was like, that's a lot of money. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and, and, there's, and there's no guarantee. And so there's got to be a better way. Um, so I just was like, I kind of rolled up my sleeves. And I was like, I'm going to figure out this PR thing myself. And I luckily had a few friends in the PR space. Um, and they kind of, they told me kind of the ins and outs of what happens at an agency. Like all, all agencies have, have this thing called CISION. Uh, C-I-S-I-O-N. And it's a, basically it's a database of media and editors um and you know if you have access to this thing you can build lists of media and editors Um, and then the other key components are like you know building a a good pitch like writing a compelling uh, pitch that an editor is actually going to open and read um and then sending sending them pitches that dovetail into what they're actually planning right so if you're an online magazine or online you know um news site or let's say it's like people.com like you know, you want to pitch something to them that they're actually planning for in the next couple of weeks. Whereas if it's a magazine, it's like three months lead time. So you got to pitch you know, differently in that case. So started just kind of building these media lists and um, plugging these lists into a tool called Streak, Streak CRM, um, which is like a CRM tool in your inbox. And just kind of personalizing kind of each of the, each of the emails outreach to the press would be personalized with their first name and the outlet. That, but it would kind of be done in an automated uh, mass merge, email merge kind of way. And, you know, just doing that and telling my story, coming from me, the founder, and not from some agency, you know, peddling my stuff, um, was able to get a ton of, uh, of coverage. Also, we were able to um, use Harrow, which is Help a Reporter Helpful Out. Help a Reporter that, Out, which, yeah, yeah early I,
0: on, that's, that's, I got a lot of co- – like, I was able to get myself into um, – mm-hmm you know, into a lot of publications and get quotes and, yep. you know, but help report us. pretty competitive now, but still like, I definitely recommend people try it. Oh, I'll make sure I link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, one thing I'd love to know. So, you know, hosting the podcast, we've got 200,000 downloads, closing in on 200,000 downloads now. Um, I get a lot of pitches and I said, like I get a lot of pitches, but I, earlier in the show I said, well, it's hard to get good guests because most of the pitches I get are atrocious like i don't even reply to them and it's often you know they're from um pr people or like a marketing person within a company and they're sending it on behalf of someone and even like on the off chance it sounds interesting i'll still say like just have okay that's fine have them email me and pitch me and then they won't even do that so i think you know you emailed me and it was clearly personal to me i liked it um and it was from you telling your story. So yep. you know tell me
1: what makes a great pitch? That's a great question. So I think the first thing is when we when we look at because now as I said, as you mentioned at the beginning, like I have a I've uh, started a, a you can call it a PR agency, but I, I kind of think about it differently. But I've started something that helps startups and small to medium-sized businesses obtain PR. And one of the things we think a lot about is how to create the perfect pitch. And part of it you know, the first most important thing is your subject line, right? So you've got to have something that's compelling enough in the subject line um, that's going to you know, cause the person to open the email in the first place. Because if you're a journalist or an editor, like, you know, it's, you're, they're getting like hundreds of emails a day, right? So it's got to stand out. Um, would, you, so that,
0: would you like to know what the subject line you wrote to me was? Uh, please tell me. What, that, what was it? Got me to open it. I'm looking at it now. I love it. It is how I crowdfunded more than $200,000 without Kickstarter.
1: Yep. Yeah. So that's a great, cause that's, it's going to make you curious. Like, how did I do that? Right. So you're going to want to, you're going to want to click and open that email and see, you know, what, what actually I did, right. To, 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 to do that. Um, so, so, you know, you got to have that kind of hook, um, that you're promising in the, in the subject line. And then, and then the email itself, the pitch itself needs to, you know, fulfill that hook and and explain to some degree what, you know, in that case, what I did to, to, to generate $200,000 in sales without using Kickstarter. Right. Um, and so, so that, so that element, and I think just brevity, you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to be long-winded. Um, you gotta have, you gotta stick to the kind of the core elements of the pitch. You gotta tell, tell the person who you are, um, you know, what makes your product great, um, and why it's relevant to them, right? Why is it relevant to that person and why would they care? And so you gotta make, you gotta gotta pitch in a way that that person is going to actually care about what you're telling them. Um, and even better is if you can reference something that, um, you know, they've done in the past or, um, you know, an article that they wrote or something to make it, you know, make them know that, you know, you know, you're a fan of theirs or, you know, you, you, have been following them and, 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 you know, you're, you're a huge fan essentially, right? You don't, you want it to, to feel too cold and, and, and impersonal.
0: Right. You know, you can, when, the worst is not when they don't mention, when they don't include anything personal personal at all but when it's clearly just like fill in the blanks where they're like i'm a huge fan of your podcast i liked your last episode and it's just
1: like the title (laughs) right right right
0: right right, right. uh yeah those are automatic deletions
1: yeah (laughs) so yeah you just gotta be you gotta be smart about it and you know it's it's gotta it's gotta be brief it's gotta get to the point it's gotta show ideally some relevance to the recipient um and I always like to, you know, in, in, the, in the PR outreach, at least, I like to, you know, uh, promise something at the end of the email. So, like, would you like me to send you um, our, our press kit or would you like me to send a sample? And, and in the form of a question, right, because that forces the editor, if they're interested, to reply back and then you start a dialogue.
0: Yeah. You just need to, uh, it's very much like, you know, everything's about relationships. This is very much like dating. You know, you don't run into a bar, find the first one you like, and will you marry me? You start with an easy yes. Like, Hey, can I buy you a drink? Which is very similar to your, and then they say yes. And then you could go from there, which is very similar to your, Hey, can I send you this thing? You know, you're providing them value, not the other way around. Exactly. You're, you're getting an easy yes. Yeah. No, that's, that makes sense. Um, and that's a bit. Uh, I think there's a name for that. Like when you do that in sales, I think it's called the the monkey's paw. Somebody told me. I don't. know, I just. I was doing it anyway because it makes more sense to provide people value. Um, yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Enough of my rambling on the topic. Uh, oh, I love it. We, so well. Uh, before I get into raising two hundred thousand, crowdfunding two hundred thousand dollars without Kickstarter, yep. which is super yep. cool. Uh, it, as an example, like how would how did you go about getting into uh, or getting your product on the doctors. I mean, that's such a cool get or on Good Morning America.
1: So, yeah, the, the best story is, is the Good Morning America one, right? Okay, so, hit me with it. Um, so, GMA, um, I must have emailed them, I want to say, like, you know, four or five times um, and, and you know, just with my pitch, right? And kept emailing them. You know, it was like a monthly pitch I would send out and just never got a reply. And then I was at a trade show, literally, in atlanta at the at the um the gift the gift mart in atlanta and you know we're, we're selling to gift gift shops and whatnot and uh walk, guess who walks by the booth tori johnson from deals and steals good morning america and i see her like badge and i'm like oh that person's very important i'm gonna get up and go go hook them into our booth and oh, jill, start, for jill steals and deals uh tori johnson from deals and steals Oh, I was um, thinking of the Today Show. It was Jill steals and deals? No, no. Yeah, no, no. Tor- Tori Johnson, and and so she comes into the booth, and she and I start telling her about the product. She's like, "I've seen this before," and I'm like, "You know, really, you've seen this before?" She's like, "Yeah, uh, you know, your your PR agency pitched this to me." I'm like, uh, <laughs> that, "That's me," <laughs> and and uh, and but but we hit it off because she'd seen it before. She had a recognition of it, right? It wasn't something random, and there were, there had been at least she had opened at least some of those emails, and she had read about it. And so there was there's some curiosity in her mind. And and you know literally like two or three days later, she came back to the booth and she said, we want to put you on GMA in, in, in three days. Can you be ready?
0: Wow. And I
1: was, I like shit my pants. And yeah, you're like, like
0: yeah, you, would, you say yes. And then inside yeah, your, your internal right, mind exactly. is just screaming.
1: Yeah, exactly. She's like, "Can you, you're going to need to have probably, you know, like five to 10,000 units just ready. Do you have that available? I was like, yes. Like, I didn't know. Honestly, like we had that much, but I was like, we're going to make it. Um, so anyway, yeah, we, we, we did the GMA was, it was 120 grand in sales in one day. Um, so that was pretty, yeah, (laughs) it was pretty sweet. So, so PR can be unbelievably, um, successful. You know, you can, you can, you can get a huge win like that. And, and, um, but you know, the, the thing that with PR is, is, um, you know, it's not a consistent traffic coming into your site, predictable traffic in the same way that, for example, Facebook ads was. And that was the thing that really got us, you know, into Facebook advertising was like, okay, we knew after GMA, we were like, okay, there's an audience out there that wants to buy this thing. We need to get in front of them. How do we make every day like Good Morning America, right? What, what do we need to do? And so, so Facebook ads seemed like a perfect platform because they had, you know, the ability to show and communicate a product to an audience and you could specify that audience, you know, uh, in a very targeted way. And so we just started out, this is, you know, a year and a half ago I guess or so now but we started out just like you know loading in our customer list into Facebook building these like you know look-alike audiences started doing you know different types of creative and different ads and we got you know a reasonable level of success um but it wasn't until midway through last year that we kind of really had our breakthrough
0: and what is the breakthrough
1: <laughs> yeah sorry I, I led you on there but um But yeah, so the breakthrough was um I think twofold. So we we were doing okay with Facebook ads. I mean we're doing static image ads and we're driving traffic into our website, into the starter kit page where you can, you know, the starter kit is the entry point product that you buy that has the you know the device and the and the pods. So we were sending traffic in there and we were doing okay, like you know, a little bit better than break-even on the ads and and you know, we were trying to figure it out. And I was scratching my head like why we couldn't get better success because I was hearing some s- stories about people doing really well with Facebook. And then somebody really, you know, pushed me hard um, to, to do, to try video, to try to do video on Facebook. And we had a great video on our website. Um, so I, I loaded that video into Facebook and started, you know, driving traffic with that video. We didn't get very good results. The video was, turns out, too long. Um, and then the other thing that we really focused on was the landing page. Okay. And so I think the two things that really brought us success on Facebook was the, the going to, from image ad to video and then also changing where we were sending the traffic. Instead of sending the traffic into our, our site, we started sending traffic into a custom landing page that we built that was much more persuasive and was designed to, um, convert that, tra- that paid traffic in that, in that initial session right away. Um, and that was the, the, the real game changer for us. And, and the reason, just dovetailing back to the video stuff, the reason that video uh, was, was really important is because it qualified the customer. So we showed the product in action, how it works, what it does, before they were in, c- clicking into the website. Right? And so we were able to qualify the traffic much better than with an image. An image, people weren't necessarily sure what the product was. So the, the the traffic we were sending into the landing page all of a sudden was much more qualified. People you know people that were coming in had a sense of what this thing was, and they were much more ready to make a purchase. If that makes sense.
0: That actually makes a ton of sense. I we've known that video boost conversion whether you put it on the website uh, link to it in an email or use it, you know, ideally as Facebook ads is where you have the most amazing success with it. But in general, yep. I've been telling people, Hey, 2017 is the year of video. You gotta be doing video cause it's more accessible than ever. Right? Like, I mean, and what's cool about video is the bar for quality isn't as high. Like if I just make a video with my, you know, with a webcam, with my phone, even that is better than nothing because it's super engaging. Yeah. One of the, the most common questions people have with videos though is, "Hey, what should it like? Hey, what goes in it? Especially for like a Facebook ad video because they're so yep. important. And how long should it be? So yeah, maybe, yeah. Like great any much. best yeah. practice, any quick tips for what a Facebook ad video should look like?
1: Yeah. So that's a great question. So for us, you know, when, when we when we first started with video ads, we started with that two minute and twenty second long video, and it had this woman talking about the product, and it took about like a minute and a half to get into her actually showing how the thing installs um and it, you know and facebook as you know the ads are start out on silent you know you have to like actually click to turn on the sound so we yeah, were, had this they talking head to autoplay muted correct and apparently that's i've, I've been reading that that's actually maybe changing they're going to have the sound on but anyway right now it's still off but so we had this video talking head and she's going on and on and you know you, you couldn't hear her what she was saying and it took forever to actually show the product. So. Then I looked at it and I said, okay, well let's let's get rid of the talking head. Let's just chop edit it down. I did it myself. I just edited it down to about a sixty second video with, with subtitles and you know, I thought that would be much better. It had a little bit of improvement, but really the breakthrough for us was when we got the, the the video edited down to about fifteen to twenty-five seconds, right? And in fifteen to twenty we could tell our story, how our product works and what the benefit was in fifteen to twenty five seconds.
0: And that's so the I, power of
1: great positioning. Yes. And so, why take you know two minutes to do this when you can do it in fifteen to twenty? People are busy; they're scrolling through. You got very limited attention span. And the goal for us is like, how can we get people to watch ninety-five percent of the video? Um, as many people as possible to watch ninety-five percent of the video and and still capture the essence of what it is. And and for us, it was fifteen to twenty-five. Make the video fifteen to twenty-five seconds. Um, and the reason I say fifteen to twenty-five is because we tr- you know we we still try different things with the creative all the time. So you know sometimes it's a little longer than a little shorter. But to me. The elements of a successful, you know, you know, demand generation video on Facebook are short, you know, I would say under 30 seconds, um, shows, ideally can show the problem and a solution, right? Because that, that works really well. Um, but at the very at the very least, shows the product in action and shows the benefit that it's delivering to the end user um, so that they're motivated to go and get, and get that. And then I would say the other elements that are important are the copy. Um, if you can create a sense of urgency in the copy, like, you know, some special offer, limited time today only, go get it now.
0: That helps too. Oh, you're okay. So yeah, i with you on all that. I, I definitely have been telling people, I'm like, treat it like a TV commercial. It's got to be 30 yep. seconds or less. It yep. has to make sense without sound because it's going to mm-hmm. default without sound. Um, yeah, having really clear positioning, kind of walking through like pain dream fix for uh, what the product is doing for people. And then exactly. it's such a clever insight that you're right. You are of the ad formats. This is the one that's going to pre-qualify and turn traffic into warm traffic before they get right.
1: to your website. If, especially if your product is like something new and different and, and it, it takes a little bit of explanation. If they can see what it is first and get a sense of it, then when they go into your site, you're gonna, your conversion rate is gonna be so much better. So you've and got, that,
0: oh, absolutely. So, yeah. you, all right, you've got this video ad. Now you're, you're scaling it, you know, you're, you're hitting the gas and driving more traffic to the site. What happens next?
1: Right. So, you know, even with the video ad, it wasn't until we coupled that with the landing page changes that really we saw, it. that's where you said, you know, the 600% lift in costs and the 500% lift in rate. Those came when we combined the video ad with, you know, a, a kind of a hyper optimized landing page. And I can go through some of the kind of the changes that we made, which I think people should be aware of when you're, and, and understand why a landing page you know, a dedicated landing page for your paid traffic can be so effective for you. Um, so some of the things that we changed were when we, we tested the, the new landing page versus sending the traffic into our site. So when you send traffic to your site, you've got all these links everywhere, right? And people can, you know, you maybe send them to one of your product pages, but hey, there's a link to the blog. Hey, there's a link to my news. Hey, there's a link to customer support, right? People are just, you're, you're giving them too many options. So a landing page, a well-designed landing page has one single call to action, right? There's nowhere else, nothing else they can do other than click, you know, add to cart or, you know, buy or whatever your CTA is, but there's one single CTA. So that was a big, that's one big thing. And then I think, you know, you want to have a very clearly communicated headline in your landing page, you know, that demonstrates or clearly communicates the benefit for us showing the product in action. So we actually have an image of, of a woman in the shower experiencing the product. Um, it's not X-rated. Don't worry. Um <laughs> Uh, but really, communicating—I would say what I would say—the emotional benefit of the product above the fold. So right there, above the fold, you've got you know you've got the product in action, you've got the headline, and maybe a subheadline communicating the benefit, and you've got a you've got a CTA, right? And that's that's kind of the elements above the fold. And then I think some of the other things that really um, are effective are some of the kind of scarcity, urgency things. So um, our offer on the page is get fifty percent off. Right, and we, we make sure that, that people understand that, that there's a limited quantity, um, there's not that many left, um, and, and there's a countdown timer. These things really work. You, you may think that they're cheesy or whatever, but they really, really work, and you can test them. Um,
0: a couple so, notes here Let me, yeah. for, for our, our dear listeners. Uh, one, I w- am linking to this, uh, this landing page in the show notes, so you could check it out. It is gorgeous. Uh, and number two uh actually no go, uh some comments for you um number one yeah we have absolutely seen like doing these crowdfunding elements on a page is huge uh and we did it working with uh factory uh, when they did their their donald trump action figures before we ever knew donald trump would be president um and we did uh Love.
1: he's a great guy
0: yeah reed's cool <laughs> um he full of great advice and yep. he yeah we did uh crowdfunding elements uh, for him, and it was so successful, we said, well, can we make this an app? And <laughs> we made this app called CrowdFunder. Oh, which sweet. You add um, those elements to a product page where you've got, like, the you know, the percentage, the timer, all that stuff. Because it really yep. – it, it, it helps. And it's like a combination of social proof and urgency, which is very yep. cool.
1: Um, yeah, it's huge. And it, yeah. And I would say other, two other things that, that, that really worked to our advantage on the landing page were um, the use of testimonials. Um, a lot of people will just put just any old testimony, be really strategic with your testimonials. So we use our testimonials. We have them at the bottom of the page, right? But we also wanted them like as someone's scrolling through the page to be able to read these testimonials. And the first testimonial we use um, does two things. One, it, it it shows somebody that's having this problem, just like my mom did, right? Like, oh, I, you know, I go to, you know, like the spa is like $150, super expensive. This lets me have that same experience in the comfort of my own shower and comfort of my own home. So right there, we've, done, we've, we've communicated the, the problem, right? In that first testimonial, we've communicated the problem of the spa being super expensive and we've done an anchor pricing thing. So we have $150, so right now someone's saying, oh yeah, the spa costs $150. By the time they get down to our offer, there's, they see how much our product costs and they compare it to that $150, there's that psychology going on in their head and all of a sudden our, our price doesn't seem so expensive.
0: Right, and price anchoring um, is such a, a powerful uh, pricing psychology tool. And I think it often gets overlooked in e-commerce.
1: Yeah. And then the second thing that we did is when you do get down to the offer on our page, um, we have another, we have, so we have a everyday retail price, $79.95 and today's price is $39.97. So it's 50% off. So you have, you have two anchors. You have the one in the first testimonial and you have the second one in, hey, the normal price for this thing is 80 bucks and here it's, you know, it's, it's 40 bucks. And we, the reason we emphasize that so much is because on the remember when I told you we were sending traffic into our website and it wasn't converting well. You know, we were getting, you know, off of paid traffic, maybe one, one and a half percent conversion. That's not good enough. And so we started doing hot jar polling and asking our customers, you know, why aren't you buying? Right. And, and, and price was one of the big things. And people are always going to say price, but we were above the normal range of, of, of price, of the product being too expensive. Um, so we knew that that was a huge barrier for, for people. So we were strategically designing this page to try and, you know, counter that perception that, oh, this is expensive. And especially because they think it's expensive because they've never tried it. You know, they don't know what they're going to get from it. Right. So, so we wanted to specifically counter that and we were able to do that 79.95 price point because we invented this thing. Nobody knows how much this thing really, right. And there's no, there's no re- established retail price for this. So we're able to kind of do that and get away with it.
0: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think of that. If it—that's another um, issue. If you have a brand new product where people don't have the experience with it, yes. Oh no, <laughs> you know what? Uh, like they—they they really have no frame of reference for pricing it. So you're right. Yeah, yep. having the price anchoring is hugely important here. And then you've yep. also got. Um, You've got urgency and social proof elements.
1: Social proof is big. Social proof is big. So we've got a couple of things going on there. We've got the press, all that nice press that we worked so hard to get. That's above the, like, right there. I think it's above the folder. It's like it's first, as soon as you start scrolling down, you see those, some of those press logos. And then we sell the product into some high-end spas, too. So we have a section that kind of calls out some of these really luxury spas that carry the product. So the social, so press logos, they communicate this is popular. And the spa logos communicate this is high quality. And then we have of course we have you know the kind of some of the stuff that says how many people bought this and the, the number of reviews and and all that all, the, all of those things but social proof is a, is, a, is a very important thing especially for a new product something that people haven't heard of or seen before they they want to know that other people are doing this and they're trying this right so those are those are very important things
0: right we're social animals we need to see that social proof yes yeah, like you've got and there's so much here. You've got reviews. You have testimonials. You've, say, you've got uh, your press logos. And then this is a clever one. You say, loved by the finest resorts and spas in the world. So not only are you saying, hey, we've got, you know, there's real regular people like you using these. Yes. And you've made sure to have their pictures in here, which is always good. Um, and then you've also got, you know, these big, essentially like, uh, enterprise isn't the right word, but we'll say enterprise customers. Right. Um, and then, you know, and of course, uh the crowdfunding element itself does it in that it's saying, hey, you can, you know, here's the people who are, uh, or here's right. how many we've sold. You're essentially publishing your your sales numbers.
1: Yeah, and I want to, and that's a good segue real quick is is we, you know, this page wasn't, the, and you're, you're going to have in the show notes, but, you know, the, the original page, and right now we're crowdfunding again, but the original page wasn't a crowdfunding page. It, you know, it didn't have crowdfunding because we were in stock when we started doing this stuff. And we, and because this worked so well, we just, you know, we just blew through our inventory because we're, you know, requiring customers like nine or ten bucks a customer. Uh, you know, so we just it, it sold it out really fast, and then we were kind of in this, you know, precarious spot where we're like, okay, now what? Because we have no inventory, and our factory takes a long time to produce this stuff. Like, are we just going to not have sales for a couple months? And then I, you know, I started looking around and seeing that a lot of people were doing crowdfunding, and, and even some people in the t-shirt space were doing crowdfunding on their own site without using Kickstarter. And I, I thought, well, let's give it a shot. Let's see if we can do crowdfunding on our own site, um, without having to go launch a massive Kickstarter campaign. And there's some benefits to that because if you do Kickstarter, first of all, you're relying a little bit on the platform to, to for you to succeed. And second of all, when you send in paid draft from Facebook, you can't do, like, you can't choose the website conversion optimization. Yeah. You, you can always, you know, so you can't, uh, con, you know, optimize the, uh, based off of the pixel firing, right? Because you don't control, the product page on Kickstarter, the way you do on your own site or on your own landing page. So there's a lot of benefits to doing it, you know, on your own page um, that that I found, and and we wouldn't have to go launch this massive campaign. We could just use what was already working, um, and so we were able to actually, and that's the email I sent you. We were able to do uh, $200,000 in sales over the course of like two and a half months, just continuing what the momentum of what we were doing before. Um, and the same kind of strategy of sending the traffic from Facebook into the landing page, except the landing page was now talking about a crowdfunding offer.
0: This may be literally one of the most actionable episodes ever. <laughs> it's <not really> <laughs> just like tons of phenomenal advice in here, and I, I, I agree with all of it. Um, so, you know, being able to build a landing page is, is powerful. Um, and it, you had no idea. Actually, this episode is is sponsored by... Um, Ezra Firestone Zipify pages, which oh, is yeah. yeah, he just launched this brand new um, service to build landing pages within Shopify. Because as you know, it's kind of a pain to do.
1: Yes, yeah, and that's why we didn't we didn't initially do it in Shopify because at the time uh, Ezra's thing had, had, hadn't been launched, so we we used Unbounce to build our landing pages. Um, but I have it on my list to to check out his landing page builder in, in OCU because I think that's it's really cool what he's doing. Yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah, I mean that was purely circum <laughs> circumstantial, but that's that's great um, that that worked out that way. Um, okay, f- follow up question. Man, yeah, I don't even have any follow up questions. What's next for you?
1: <laughs> yeah, so we're, we got a lot uh, kind of in the in the cooker. Um, we're we're first of all kind of taking some of the stuff that we're doing um, with with sending traffic into a landing page, and and funny you mentioned Ezra because next step for us is really building you know an upsell funnel um, and. Um, whether we use OC or Car- hooks, another one but we're, we're looking at kind of a bunch of different options there but really you know now that we've got this thing working where we've got kind of paid traffic coming in we're converting it at you know a 3x three, three return on that spend the next thing is like how can we actually increase the amount that people order in that initial purchase flow and the other big thing that we're really going to try and uh, accomplish is in that upsell flow right so for us like an upsell might be um, buy a starter kit right from the landing page, and then you and, you and then in the upsell flow, it might say you know, the customer might get prompted, "Hey, would you like to get you know a variety pack with your starter kit so you can try all the blends that we have available?" Right. That's and, that, and our variety pack is super popular, so we know that'll work pretty well. Um, and then we might try, well, you can get the variety pack at fifty percent off if you subscribe today. Right. So if we can get people onto a subscription in that in that first f- purchase flow in in the upsell funnel that would be a huge win for us because then all of a sudden we're not only acquiring like a one-time customer, we're acquiring a subscriber and that increases
0: predictable recurring revenue to your business. Correct.
1: And that increases the value of that customer and increases the amount that we can pay to acquire that customer. Um, so that's, that's a really huge thing on our roadmap. um, And then kind of expanding out some of the stuff we do on Facebook in terms of our ads. We're going to be doing um, a lot more with retention advertising. So when somebody buys a starter kit, we want to be showing them ads for uh, refills. We want to be showing them ads for subscriptions. If they buy a refill and and 30 days later, we want to show them an ad, hey, you can get more, right? So we want to build out all those retention touch points, um, which is totally doable on Facebook. Um, You can do it through dynamic ads or you can manually build that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and of course,
0: you would do it with um, like email marketing as well. So yes. I could see using like, yeah, those Facebook ads to do this, and then, you know, like say Claveo to do your lifecycle email marketing and automate this whole thing. And then you've got this really um, powerful sales funnel where you have now extended, you know, value, customer lifetime value both ways, you know, where you're making it easy for them to keep enjoying this product and you're making it, you know, easy on, on you and your team to, to
1: grow and generate revenue. Exactly. And it's funny you mentioned, I, I call it Clavio. I don't know exactly how you're supposed to pronounce it. But. Oh, this drives them,
0: this drives them crazy because no one knows how to pronounce it. And I yeah, well, the, I guess it's, it's the part of their brand, part of the brand uh, strategy. Yeah, I ran <laughs> into the, the, the co-founder uh, in San Francisco and I said, hey, and I recorded a video out of it. I go, okay, tell me once and for all, how do you pronounce it? And it's Clavio. I'm like, okay, because oh, I, I, right. I was saying it wrong until then.
1: I was saying Clavio, I guess it's Claudio. Okay, I've got Claudio. It. <laughs> it's a very original name, but yeah, we've been using Claudio for quite some time. It's it's been very good to us, um, and we built out a lot of what I was just saying. A lot of that's built out in email. So I want to duplicate those efforts on Facebook, so we have multiple touch points communicating to customers. Hey, like the next thing for you to do is X. Like you should get a, you should get another refill, or you should check out the subscription offer. Um, so, so building out those touch points um, scaling up Facebook beyond where we have it and we're looking at launching some new products too so there's a lot um, in the roadmap oh and one other thing is um, Facebook's worked out really well for us but we're definitely looking for what's the next demand generation platform that we can you know, replicate what, the success that we've gotten on Facebook because it's, you never want to have all your marbles in one basket
0: I would say so yeah. I have not tried it's it in one basket I think it's, yeah, whatever <laughs> right.
1: yeah uh,
0: I have not tried this, but uh, a the previous guest uh, mentioned uh, playing with YouTube ads. Yes. Or no? I'm sorry. A show I was on, a separate show I was on, uh, mentioned like this new kind of YouTube ad where you could show like, pro- like a list of products or something.
1: Mm. Um,
0: I don't, he was talking about it. It sounded really great for e-commerce.
1: Yeah, we got to check out do some stuff with YouTube, and we're looking at like native advertising and possibly Pinterest. Pinterest is, seemed to be a tough nut to crack, but. Um, there's there's all kinds of opportunities, so we gotta we gotta look at um, expanding out that way, and then we want to do our product the product that we're selling here in the United States. We want to sell it internationally. Now, the showers in the United States they they have a standard one half inch uh, external dia- uh, internal diameter, excuse me, um, and it's very easy for our product to install on it. Showers in other markets often are handheld and different dimensions, so we're working on figuring out a way to make the same kind of product but that will adapt to other markets because I hear from people all the time that Facebook is so cheap and and other ad platforms, frankly, but are much cheaper in international markets. So that's something that we're looking at too.
0: Right. That's been a a big win for our mutual friend, Annie Bedell from Keystone. Yep. Oh, yep, uh, yep, yep. He's like, just and do what you're doing internationally, and on Facebook, it's way cheaper, because it's not as saturated there.
1: Yeah, and Andy was the one that, based on what I was saying earlier, Andy was the one that um, really pushed me hard on, on video, like, you know, about a year, I guess, I don't know it was a year, no, not quite a year ago, but, you know, when we first started doing the video ads, because um, he, he had so much success with KeySmart and, and doing video on Facebook there, that, you know, he, and I saw that success, I was like, okay, if they can, if they can do it, then we can do it, right, and, and, and he really pushed me to kind of continue to, to get that working.
0: This, is, this has been fantastic. I'm, I'm going to add a, a warning to the show notes that people need to bring a notepad because this is the most <laughs> actionable episode ever. <laughs> so That's Peter, great. Peter, you've said it all. We're, we're at the end of our time together. Uh, where can people go to learn more about you?
1: Yeah, so um, you can go to, obviously you can go to seoshower.com. Um, and then I'm on Clarity as well. Um, I think it's clarity.fm slash Peter Fries, F-R-I-I-S. We'll put it in the show notes uh, oh, yeah, I'll stick that in there right now. Yeah, and then I'm on I'm on Twitter. Um, my my um, username is spirit uh, spirit freeze F R I I S.
0: Got it. And I will link to your Clarity.fm account as I also love Clarity. It's a really yes. really cool platform for just you know being able to literally pick anyone's brain guilt. Yeah, the coolest. I've thing. used it
1: I've used it to much effect for for um, for SEO and for other for other business initiatives, and it's it's just great to just you know find somebody. That was a person that I found that t- talking about the pricing stuff. Remember, how I told you that we had the hot char poll and it was telling telling us that uh, you know people were saying it's too expensive. I so we knew how many what percentage of people were saying it's too expensive. I went, I went on clarity, I found a pricing expert, someone who knew everything about pricing, and I said, look, we have this problem. Is this a real problem? Or is this just every everybody thinks every product is too expensive? And he said that's out of the range of a normal, pro, pro, you know, the normal percentage of people that think something is too expensive. <laughs> so I was able to take that action and actually, you know, use that. And so, so Clarity's great, love it. Um, lots of amazing, bright people on there, and you know, it's just always good to get another eye and ear on something.
0: Very cool, Peter. Thank you for your time. My pleasure. And To our listeners, if this was valuable, helpful at all, tell me what was most valuable about it about it by leaving us a review on itunes that's how we get other people to discover the show and help grow grow the community um and if you'd like to be notified whenever a new episode goes live you could sign up for my newsletter com, and i'll send you an email whenever we post a new episode thanks everybody and we'll be back next week our program was produced today by paul rita the unofficial shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle llc We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high-quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at commerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.